Just Thinking with hosts Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker, bringing you week-to-week cultural apologetics as well as social issues from a biblical worldview. This is Just Thinking. Let's think. We're back, back for another episode of the Just Thinking podcast. Man, I'm glad to be with you. I'm Virgil Walker. Hey, and I'm Daryl Harrison. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate it. What's up, Virg? Man, it's all good, bro. I was just getting in, man. I know we hit record. I had to tell you, man, coming back from the G3 conference, man, it was it was an amazing, amazing time. As as you could could probably well guess or or watch if you if you checked out the stream, the, the preaching was profound. Man, my, my life was really impacted, man. Just some really th- some things that were said in and through the preaching of God's word that had a massive, massive impact on me and how I'll do ministry moving forward. But man, the biggest thing, man, and and I know we did not get to connect was everywhere I turned, Daryl, somebody was asking me, where's Daryl Harrison? Where's Daryl Harrison? After after a while, man, it kind of hurt my feelings, man. I was like, you know, uh, I, I'm I'm half of that team, man. I'm you know I'm I'm the wingman, and I get that, but man, I'm not chopped liver here. You know, I had to let them know what's up, man. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, man, there were so many people, bro. I couldn't I couldn't go through a hall or around the corner uh, without somebody, man, stopping me and doing one of two things, Daryl. One, they would either say, hey love the bar, love, love the podcast. Thanks for what you guys do. Or, Hey man, I just got on to just thinking, man. And, and, uh, and I'm loving it, man. Now, now you, are you Virgil? And I said, yeah. And, Where, where's Daryl? Where's Daryl? <laughs> <laughs> so, so he, so he was the, he was wow. the crazy part, man. I had, we were at the booth, man. There was a number of times we were at the booth. And uh, that that Dwayne had set up for the bar podcast, and and I'm there, and I, I had guys talking to me, man, about how much they enjoyed checking out the bar, and how much they really love the new the new Just Thinking podcast. Man, man I love that thing, man. It's great, man. I, where's Daryl? I said, well, he's not here. You know, this, that, and the other. We're having we're having a full blown conversation, man. And, and to talk about humble pie, man. I'm sitting there talking to the brother about it and everything like that, and he says, "Man, you you and you." You sound familiar. I, I was like, "Yeah, man, I'm the other dude on that show, man." <laughs> <laughs> so, man, I, know, I had I had to let him know, man, what was it, up. It you would know? seem to me, it would seem to me, verse, that they would recognize your voice even more than mine because you kick us off every right, episode. Right, right, you right. You kick us off. You close us out. Right. So they hear you on the front end and the back end. They oh, hear you bro. first and last. Hey, You're man. like the you're like your voice is like the alpha omega of the podcast, man. <laughs> they hear you first, well, and then I, they hear you last. Well, well, listen, I'm gonna say this: that sure wasn't the case at G3 because they <laughs> they were looking for Dale Harrison, man. They they brother, I just want to encourage you, uh, what you're doing, what you're writing, uh, the impact that it's having is massive. And I'm not. It, it, it was it was one. It, it was on two levels, Daryl. It was. Uh, it was the folks that, you know, just kind of your, your regular everyday Joe who just kind of got tuned into the podcast, who were kind of checking us out. But, man, it, it was also some other, you know, some of the other folks who have their own podcasts or, you know, or, or who, who, are, who are doing some things 
you know, in, in the circles that you and I both respect, man, they, they, they were looking for you. So I said that, man, A, to encourage you and also to tell you, you know, I, I don't know what your schedule entails or what next year looks like, but bro, if you don't make an appearance at that G3 next year, bro, you are absolutely missing out. And, uh, and I know behind the scenes, man, a lot of folks are reaching out to you and you're having opportunities to, to get to some different places and talk to some folks and, and the like. And so that's all a blessing, but I just want to encourage you, man, you, you were definitely, definitely missed. And uh, we, not just me, but, but everybody on the bar podcast, man, had to, had to make an explanation for, for more than, more than a, more than a, a dozen times. Uh, as to where Daryl was. So next time, man, maybe we need to get some tracks made. You can just pass out the tracks and, and that'll explain where I am and why I'm not there. <laughs> you can just pass out some tracks so you're not having to repeat that same thing right, that everybody right. comes up to you, man. But right. that, that really is that really is encouraging. And uh I don't know. I just want to apologize again for not being able to be there, but my work schedule has some conflicts inher- conflicts rather inherent to my work schedule to where I just could not make it. And, uh, you know, as we say, I got to pay the bills. So the work priorities came first, but I've already reached out to Dwayne and he's already let me know that, you know, the conference is set for, for 2019 already around the same dates. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've got well enough time in advance to go ahead and block those dates out on my calendar and Lord willing be there next year, man, to hang out with you guys. Cause yeah, I, man. I hate, I missed it. I really hate. I missed it. It, it was, it was an, it was a nice time on a num on so many levels, man, the fellowship, the, the interaction, seeing all the, I mean, it, you know, there was so, I mean, you could, you could walk away with, you know, more than a hundred dollars worth of just free books. It was wow. we're giving away stuff, man, yeah. just handing stuff to you. You know, you walk by a booth and somebody, you know, somebody hand you RC Sproul's, uh, uh, you know, the holiness of God, right. somebody else, you know, I mean, just, it was just crazy. It was absolutely insane. Yeah. And well, you I, know, I think another frustrating thing for me, in addition to not being there is knowing that you guys are right here in Atlanta where I live. Yeah. And, and I still couldn't get down there for other priorities and whatnot, as I was saying earlier, but listen, I appreciate the encouragement, Verge. I appreciate all the prayers. I want to say also to all the listeners right now, we really appreciate you guys. Uh, this is episode 12. Mm-hmm. of the Just Thinking podcast. So we've got an even dozen of these under our belts now. And as I've said, I think I've mentioned this maybe on a couple of the earlier episodes. Verge, you, Brother Dwayne, you guys are old pros as this. I'm the rookie here. Mm. Okay. I, I'm I'm you know, I, I normally write. I normally communicate my thoughts via my blog, uh, which by the way, you can access at justthinking.me. That's justthinking.me. So I usually just yeah, I'm the writer. That's that's kind of my gift. That's kind of my outlet. But you guys have done this for a while, man. So I'm just trying to to sort of get better every week. And I hope our listeners are are uh, recognizing how hard Virgil and I are trying to work mm. and giving you guys quality, godly, Christ-centered, gospel-centered content with each episode. So we do appreciate you all. Uh, we're on Apple iTunes now, so you can go out and subscribe directly to Just Thinking. Uh, and as you do that, leave us a review. Uh, we sure would appreciate that. So, so Verge, man, thanks again for the update and for the encouragement, man. It really is encouraging my heart and my prayers were with you guys every day. Yeah. You were here. Uh, so I was definitely there uh, in spirit with you, as they say. Yeah, man, we, we, de- we definitely felt the impact of that, man. And, and, you know, just, just the power of the word as it was preached um, was, was just incredibly uh, impactful, incredibly sanctifying, man. It was just 
really, really good stuff, whether it was Steve Lawson who just wrecked yep. shop man yep. on on you know on i mean he he just wrecked it uh he he, he pulled up the, the scripture in in um uh in exodus where moses asked to see see the glory of god and yeah, god hides yeah. him in the cleft of the rock yeah, and yeah. man he he exegeted that passage like a yeah. monster man it was just on by the time he was done man in my charismatic days man i'd, I'd have been face i've been face first <laughs> in the floor man <laughs> You'd have been moonwalking, man. You'd have oh, been moonwalking bro, on the floor, man. It was just unbelievable, man. He he just smashed that and then came back the next day and wrecked it. There were so many. I mean, I think those were kind of the crescendo right. moments. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, Vody Bakum, he did a phenomenal, yeah. phenomenal job. And I mean, just uh, you start you start naming one or two and yeah. you make the error of of missing something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. man, it was just amazing, amazing time. Yeah. Now, do we have a lineup for next year's conference yet? I think they do, man. If you go to if you go to the G three conference dot com, they they're already um they've already got a, a a number of not all of but a number of the speakers, and uh, the, the conference is going to be on missions. Okay, so missions will be the theme for next uh-huh. year. Yep, yep, yep. Great. They'll be taking a look at that. But man, it it it'd be it'd be worth it. And 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 what they what they talked about was you know this year we talked about discipleship. And how, as disciples, we should be on mission uh, as well. And so one folds right into uh, the other, and uh, you get get a chance to kind of see what that what that looks like and how that all how that all rolls out. So, well, let me ask you this, man. Speaking of themes, did the theme or the topic or the word social justice come up at the conference at all? Yeah, Phil Phil Johnson always kind of alludes to it in what what he talks about from you know from time to time. While he never really directly you know landed on social justice in particular, um, he you know he talked about just the cultural issues, uh, the cultural issues of the day, um, and, you know dealing with it from a from a biblical uh, point of view. And as a result, I mean you 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 have no choice but to but to talk about what what social justice warriors are doing and their intent to. Um, add to the gospel some solution uh, that they are looking for uh, to, you know, to fix things in our world. So that's kind of what, what, what happened there. Yeah. Well, the reason I asked that question, you know, and I appreciate you sharing that, uh, Burge, the reason I asked that question is because I've really been burdened the past couple of weeks to at least attempt to, how can I put this, attempt to look at and, and and maybe reclaim this whole topic of social justice from a gospel centric standpoint and look at it early through the prism of what the word of God says. And I know we've tackled this subject before, but I don't, I don't know where this burden that I have right now came from, but I wanted to spend this episode sort of reconstructing a biblical theology of social justice and um, thinking maybe we could talk through a couple of questions and, and, and maybe flesh these out a little bit. So, uh, yeah. So, so, so what I thought we'd do in this episode is, is let's start at the beginning and uh, I'm going to be doing a lot of talking listeners. So hopefully you guys won't get too bored hearing me talk most of the time for this episode. Uh, because if you're a regular listener, you know that Virgin and I do this. We 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 freestyle. We don't use notes 
or anything. Mm-hmm. We don't get together before the show and compare notes. So none of this is scripted. So Virgil right now has no idea what I'm going to say. Uh, but like <laughs> I said, you know, this isn't his first rodeo. So he knows no, how to no, roll no. with the flow, and that's what we're going to do. So let's start at the beginning, man. So a question I have, this is rhetorical right now, and, and as I get to a certain point, man, I'll let you jump in. Sure. So, so the essential question is, you know, as it relates to the topic of social justice is, in my mind anyway, what is justice? What mm. is justice? So so now, now normally when we consider that question, our instinct is to think of it from the standpoint of our human perspective and experience. I think that's our normal instinct. That's our normal reflective reflexive response. So, so, and what I mean by that is when we think of justice, we look at it from our own personal subjective paradigm based on our own experience or That's a good perhaps what we've been taught and whatnot. But the truth is, you see, the idea of justice originates with God. So we have to start there. What is justice? What is the origin? What is the genesis of justice as an ideal? Okay. The ideal of justice is not a, a, a human invented ideal. So in order for there to be justice, however, all right, going back to the beginning, in order for there to be justice, there must also be injustice, correct? That's correct. It's kind of like in order for you to know what's good, you also have to know what's evil. So in order for us to consider what is justice, we first have to consider what is injustice because that injustice goes right alongside. It's parallel to the conversation as we're having right now about how to define justice. You can't define justice without also defining uh, injustice. So, so what was now considering that we have injustice as well, uh, in order to put justice in context, the question becomes what was the first act in human history of injustice? Okay. So what was the first act of injustice in human history? Well, that's easy. That's Genesis 3. Absolutely. That's Genesis 3, when Eve and Adam disobeyed God by eating of the fruit of the tree of life, from which they had been forbidden to eat. Now, we see that in Genesis 3, 6. That was the first act of injustice because it was the first act of disobedience against God. Okay, so the first act of injustice is when God, commanded Adam and Eve not to eat of the fruit of the tree of life, and they chose to disobey him. Now, we also have the first act of justice in Genesis 3. The first act of justice is when God, in response to Eve and Adam's disobedience, drove them out of the garden. So we see that where? Well, it's just in Genesis 3, 24, where God drove Adam and Eve out of the garden in response to their disobedience, so that God drove them out of the garden, that he did that subsequent to their disobedience, declares to us today, okay, that inherent to the nature and character of God is the fact that he is a God of justice. God is a God of justice. So by nature, he is a God of justice, and ontologically, just part of his being, the ideal of justice is who God is, okay? It's inherent, it's innate rather to him. Now, how does this relate to us? How does this relate to us today? Okay, well, let's back up to Genesis 127. Genesis 127 states that God created man 
in his own image. Male and female, he created them in his image. Now, this is the verse from which we get the doctrine of what we call the Mago Dei, right? It's Latin for image of God. So Genesis 127 is where that doctrine, where that concept comes mm-hmm. from. Mm-hmm. Now, as it relates to the matter of justice and injustice, that humankind bears the image of God means that we inherently possess, okay, we inherently possess the same desire for justice in society. But not only in society, but also in our individual relationships and interactions with others. So our desire for justice is a direct fruit, a a direct byproduct of the fact that we bear the image of God. We bear God's nature. We bear God's character by virtue of him creating us in his image. Okay, so let me just illustrate that for a second. When we see someone being treated wrongly, right? We, We see someone being treated wrongly, that is, in a sinful way. So we see someone being treated in a way that is sinful. What do we say? All right. What do we say? We say that that treatment is what? It's unjust. Just, we use right. the term unjust. We use the term unjust, which is just another way of saying that the way that person is being treated isn't what? It isn't right. It isn't right. We say that because, again, by virtue of our possessing the image of God, by virtue of him creating us to bear that image, we innately realize that there are certain universal truths Okay, there are certain standards of behavior that objectively apply to the entire human race, no ifs, ands, or buts. Okay, so when I say objectively apply, I mean that it is a fixed principle. It is a fixed precept. There is no leeway, no hemming and hawing. This is either right or wrong. Okay, all right, so for example, why was everyone so upset? at seeing Rodney King being beaten nearly to death on live TV. Mm. Okay. Why were people so incensed at seeing video of Eric Garner being choked to death by a police officer? They weren't angry in a sense because both King and Garner were black. They were incensed and angry and righteously indignant, indignant and righteously so because they were King and Garner were human beings. And as such, they were image bearers of God. That's where the anger came from. That's where the anger came from. It wasn't, contrary to what most people believe, it wasn't the actual beating of Rodney King. It wasn't the choking of Eric Eric Gardner. Those were just uh, triggers, if you will, of our, because there are people probably who saw those same images and weren't moved. But for those of us who were, that is a result of our innate bearing of the image of God with respect to something that we saw that was unjust. Okay. So it wasn't because they were black. It was because it was unjust. So, so it, my point here is that it's our inherent awareness of God's objective standard of right and wrong that got people so angry at what they saw in those instances. There's something in us that instantly said that, is wrong. It wasn't based on some subjective definition of right and wrong we have that that society created. No, we got angry. We got incensed out of that, 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 that indignation that comes out of us as image bearers of God. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. 
I think a good biblical definition of injustice is found in Leviticus 19.15. So I'm going to read Leviticus 19.15 real quick. Again, what we're trying to do here, if you're listening, what we're trying to do is build a foundation of what biblical justice is. I, I hate the term social justice because it sort of secularizes it. Right, right. But but what people want when they we're gonna to get to this in a second. What people are really wanting when they when they use the term social justice is exactly what we're talking about tonight. So let's look at Leviticus nineteen fifteen, which I think gives a great definition of how God defines justice. And remember, it's God's definition that matters because He it is out of Him, out of His nature, that the idea of justice comes. Okay, so let's look at how God defines justice in Leviticus 19.15. Okay, so I'm reading from the NASB. All right. Leviticus 19.15, you shall do no injustice. In judgment, you shall not be partial to the poor, nor defend the great, but you are to judge your neighbor fairly. Let me read that again. You shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor defer to the great, but you are to judge your neighbor Fairly. Okay. Now, intrinsic to that text is also what justice is. Okay. So Mm -hmm. you can read this text in Leviticus 19 and say, okay, yeah, that's, that's injustice. You shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor defer to the great, but you are to judge your neighbor fairly. So we have two negative verb phrases there where we, where God says, you shall do no injustice. That's a negative verb phrase. Uh, He says, you shall not be partial. That's another negative verb phrase. But in the latter part of the verse, we have the positive verb phrase. He says, you are to judge your neighbor fairly. So we have two negatives and a positive. So intrinsic with that verse, when you read the negatives, all you have to do is invert that and you have what justice looks like so that the verse talks about both. It intrinsically talks about and defines both Mm -hmm. justice and injustice at the same time. So in essence, to obey God is justice. To disobey God is injustice. Very simple. These are very simple concepts here, Mm -hmm. biblically speaking. Okay. So my point here is this, all right, that justice and injustice are concepts that not only originate with God, but are determined based on our obedience or disobedience to God's command. It is not subjective. When we disobey, it's injustice. When we obey, it's justice. What society wants, and here's what I want folks to hear. What society, in essence, what society wants, and by society, I'm speaking of the world entire. Okay, I'm, thinking, I'm speaking of all 7 billion of us almost that populate this planet. What society wants, what they want today is for people to obey God. So what we call social justice Mm -hmm. at its most fundamental level is people wanting one another to obey God. Right. That's what it is. That's what social justice is, is our desire for each other to obey God. Period. You want Mm -hmm. a definition of social justice? It's obeying God. That's what social justice is. If if I want you, Verge, 
to treat me according to God's precepts as an image right. bearer, as a fellow image bearer of God. That's that's what we call that's what society calls social justice. But as I've pointed out before in a couple of my blog articles, biblically speaking, there's only injustice and justice. God mm-hmm. doesn't use God's word doesn't use adjectives to quantify or qualify what that there are different types of justice. No. There's justice and there's injustice. So what mm-hmm. society is calling for when they call for social justice, what they're calling for is for society to obey God, to obey mm-hmm. the word of God. You see? All right, mm-hmm. so that's what we're asking for. But see, but see here's the problem. You can't stop there at just obedience because obedience, and we're going to talk about this in a second, obedience is first an attitude before it is ever an act. Obedience is always an attitude first. Mm -hmm. Then it is an act. It is an act. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's look at uh, another text, Genesis 8.21. Genesis 8.21 says, for the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. This is God talking to Noah. For the intent, this is where God is promising never to destroy the earth again by a flood. This is right before God gives us this beautiful rainbow and explains the symbolism of it to Noah. Genesis 8.21a, for the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. Now that word intent in the Hebrew is speaking of our motive, our imagination, the the evil devices that we conjure up and invent invent to carry out and perform the the evil that we do to one another. But God is saying the intent, the motives, okay, the the motives of our heart is evil from the moment we're born. Matter of fact, from the moment we're conceived, okay? So anything that is innate to us is something that we're born with. It's in us. That's who we are. Okay, it's who we are. And the Bible is unambiguous in declaring that we all are born with a bent toward evil because that's the nature we inherited from our first parents. That's what we got from Adam and Eve. Okay, so in order to obey God, that is, in order to have one another conduct ourselves and perform acts of justice, that is, obedience to God's word towards one another. We need a new nature because the nature we possess inherently is, is at enmity with God. Okay, so it's not just a matter of doing right. It's a matter of wanting to do right first. Speaking to the issue of the heart rather than simply the letter of the law. What, what, what's really going on at the root of your heart? Right. I mean, they're called the Beatitudes for a reason. Mm-hmm. Attitudes, for better or worse, for good or ill, originate in the heart. We hear that clear. Jesus clearly says that in Matthew, uh, Mark chapter seven. Mm-hmm. You know, he he basically I- explains spiritual corruption originates in the heart. Okay, so the point I'm making here, though, is that we need a new nature. It's not just about doing right; it's about wanting to do right, right. wanting to do right. So let's check out what. Uh, the Bible says about that in Romans chapter eight. Okay. 
this this is probably the chapter if I were deserted on an island somewhere, I probably want to be stuck <laughs> with Romans chapter eight. If I couldn't have the whole book of Romans, just give me Romans. Right. Give me Romans eight. Because let's look at Romans eight verses six and seven. Mm-hmm. All right, Romans eight six and seven. Right for the mind, making the point now that it's not just about doing right; it's about wanting to do right. So Paul writes here, Romans eight six and seven. For the mind set on the flesh is death. Set on is another word for intent. Mm-hmm. Okay. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace, because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God. That is at enmity. We are enemies of God. Innately, we're we're born enemies of God. Okay, so that innate that enmity is innate to us. So what we need because of that, because that 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 evil nature is innate to us. We need a new nature. We need to be changed from the inside. So we see this, for example, in um, Ezekiel chapter 11. I feel like I want to apologize for having church here, but I'm not going to do it. Do your thing, man. We're walking through it with you. I'm walking through it right with you. You know, so we're going to look at it a couple of chapters here, a couple of texts rather here in, Elite, in uh, the book you said, of Ezekiel. You said Ezekiel, you said Ezekiel 11? Yeah, Ezekiel 11, 19, 11 verses 19 and 20. See, I'm, I'm thinking I come out reading the, key, the KJV again. You know how you, you know how you're in the black church, uh, Verge, and they have somebody reading the text from the Bible. They'll just say, uh, well, read Ezekiel 11 and 19 and 20. So I'm thinking, okay, right. so we're reading three chapters. Right now, no, they don't normally say <laughs> they don't. They don't normally make a distinction between chapter and verse, so they just kind of right, run right, all, right, run right, right all together. All together. Right, 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 right. So now we're reading Ezekiel chapter eleven, verses nineteen and twenty. Okay, talking about our need for a new nature here. Okay, all right, verses nineteen and twenty of Ezekiel eleven, and I will give them one heart, and put a new spirit within them, and I will take the heart of stone out of their flesh. And give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances to do them. Then they will be my people, and I shall be their God. Okay, let's stay in Ezekiel real quick. Let's go to chapter 36, verse 26. Okay, talking about our need for a new nature. Okay, and and how a new nature is fundamental to obeying God, namely, Attaining and achieving social justice, if that's the term you want to use. Ezekiel 36, 26. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give your heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you, and what does it say? And cause you to walk, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. So again, we're we're looking at biblical language to sort of recapture what the secular world is calling social justice and what biblically speaking, we're just talking about as as we just read here in Ezekiel, we want one another to walk in God's statutes. We want people to obey God's statute. Now, the problem with that is how does that happen? How do, how does How does one who is walking outside the will of God, they're disobeying, and this goes for Christians too, right? So because just because we're Christians doesn't mean we're never disobedient to God. We disobey him all the time. 
I probably disobeyed him five minutes ago. So the question again is how do we, how does this new nature happen? Well, that's where the gospel comes in. Mm. And this is my fundamental point. For everyone out there who is passionate about social justice, listen, um, you got to change hearts first. You mm-hmm. got to change hearts first. People's hearts have to be changed. Okay. But that's where the gospel come in, comes in. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is question number two, we dealt with question number one, what is justice? So we define, right. we define biblical justice. We define biblical injustice. So the question now is, well, what is the God? What is this gospel that I'm speaking about? Right. So by definition, simple definition, the gospel is the pronouncement of the kingdom of God. The gospel is the pronouncement of the kingdom of God. We see this in Matthew chapter three, verse two, where John the Baptist is calling everyone to repent for what? The, the kingdom, kingdom of God, of God is at hand. Okay. Jesus in the first sermon he ever preached echoed that same sentiment. Okay. That same pronouncement he made. We see that in Matthew four twenty three, where it says that Jesus was going throughout all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming what? The gospel of the kingdom of God. In Mark 1.15, Jesus himself echoes John the Baptist's sermon, essentially, where Jesus himself says, repent and believe in the gospel. So we see both John the Baptist and Jesus proclaiming the gospel, that is the evangel, okay? of the kingdom of God and calling people to repent. Now, this begs the question here. This, again, is why you cannot achieve social justice without heart change. You can't. You cannot. It's impossible. So that Jesus and John the Baptist both called people to repent and believe in the gospel. That begs the question, well, why do we need to repent? Why do we need to repent? And what do we need to repent of? Why not just clench our fists, grit our teeth, squint our eyes, and click our heels together and just change our behavior on our own? Why can't we just start in our own power and strength obeying God's will, obeying God's precepts, obeying God's commandments, so that this sort of uh, social justice nirvana just manifests itself out of society's own will and determination to do better. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, the answer to that is because belief in the gospel is what changes people. Mm-hmm. The gospel declares about itself that it is what? It is the power of God unto salvation. Okay. It is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel changes hearts so that those hearts, as we just read in uh, Ezekiel, so that those hearts want to obey God. Goes back to my earlier point. It's not just the act of obedience. It's the attitude of obedience. Attitudes have to change, and attitudes change only as hearts change. Last text I want to look at, Verge. Last text I want to look at is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. 1 Thessalonians 2, 13. So we're talking about the gospel and how the gospel is the only answer to the heart change that 
is fundamental, fundamentally antecedent to any societal change that we're going to see, if we're going to see any. Okay, so First Thessalonians 2.13. Um, I love this text, man, uh, because th- th- this, this basically just breaks it down for me. So we're talking about the gospel and how the gospel is the power of God to change hearts. So let's look at First um, Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. Paul is writing here. He says, for this reason, this reason being in the previous verse in verse 12, where he says, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of God, of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So for that reason. So he says here in verse 13, for this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. Not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. Now, that's the exclusivity of the gospel. The gospel is inclusive in that the message is for the world. It's for for everybody. Verge, you probably wanted to. You're probably the, the brother I know best from a reputation standpoint, especially as, as it relates to the work you do at the abortion clinics and whatnot, mm-hmm. that the, the, the gospel you share is for everybody you run into. I, I don't care if a taxi driver drove up to you in front of the abortion clinic. The, gospel, the, the message good. that you're proclaiming in front of that abortion cl- clinic isn't just for the potential clients of that abortion clinic. It is for everybody you encounter. Everybody that God and his providence and his sovereignty brings across your path. Am I right? That's right, buddy. But here's the exclusivity of the gospel. Mm. Paul writes here that the gospel performs its work in who? In you who believe. Mm -hmm. So intrinsic with that text is you're not going to see gospel fruit in people who don't believe the gospel. So trying to connect this to this whole broader social justice conversation here. Right. You you shouldn't get frustrated at anybody who is out there in the world who has a bigoted, demented, unbiblical, ungodly attitude towards you by virtue of your ethnicity or any other discriminatory category. If they're not a believer in the gospel. You should expect that kind of treatment from them. Mm-hmm. Now, for those of you who may harbor some of those attitudes who proclaim to be Christian, who profess to be Christian, go back to Mark one fifteen, where Jesus began his sermon with the word repent, because you need to do that. You need to do that. So the gospel works both ways. The gospel changes the hearts of those who don't believe, and the gospel changes the hearts of those who do believe. But you're not going to get any kind of change without the gospel being preached first and without the gospel being believed first. Mm -hmm. So we can advocate for all these institutional changes, all these systemic changes. We can ask for more laws. We can ask for fair this, fair that. But unless someone by the spirit of God, by his grace and mercy, has their heart open to the message of the life transforming, transforming, heart renewing, 
heart redeeming, soul redeeming, eternal life affirming message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, none of that stuff is going to come fruition in society. None of it. Mm -hmm. The gospel works in those who believe it. And those who don't believe it, it doesn't work. You know, I, I've had I've had people come at me, man, because as you alluded to in the intro, you know, God is opening doors uh, for, for for me to have a voice outside of my blog, outside of the podcast. God's opening doors for me and opportunities for me to present the same argument uh, to other people. And I, I catch so much heat from Christians. I can't the heat I catch is from Christians. Mm-hmm. Who uh, uh, they 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 get angry. They get they get indignant at me for saying, "Well, uh, just preach the gospel." Now they they take the word "just" and they don't listen to the rest of the the comment as if 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 as if I mean to say, "Well, only preach the gospel." Mm. Well, in a way, you should only preach the gospel. Right. What else, What else are you going to preach? To, to, to get to you the results that you want. Hmm? You're going to preach, well, we need to vote for this candidate. Mm-hmm. Are you going to preach, well, we need to move to this zip code. Mm-hmm. Are you going to preach, well, I need to be, I need to make more money. I need to change this law. We need to protest this, uh, this incident. We need to, right. we need to protest this authority figure. Is that, is that what you're going to preach? Well, that's what that, that's what they've been preaching. That's what they've and, been preaching. And, exactly and, right. My comment just sti- is very rhetorical. Sti- yeah, yeah, and and they're still. I, I, I know it is. It, and it hadn't it hadn't gotten them any further down according to them. Based exactly right. Where we currently stand. That's what I call treadmill ethics. You're mm-hmm. you're you're out there trying to perform all these uh, 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 righteously uh, born. Uh, so or, or so it's said. It's, it's assumed. It appears. Uh, these righteously indignant uh, acts uh, in protest or uh, in uh, affirmation of some agenda, but you're getting nowhere. You're putting in all this effort. Listen, Verge, I work out on the treadmill almost every day. And I don't care how many miles I go, how many calories I burn, how much I sweat. I end my workout in the exact same spot. I began it. (laughs) That's what I call treadmill ethics. Because you're 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 trying to change society apart from changing the nature of society. Our nature must change. That's 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 been my whole argument here for this entire episode. Mm-hmm. Treadmill ethics don't work. It gets you nowhere. It gets you absolutely mm-hmm. nowhere. You must preach the gospel. I don't care how many hungry you feed. Okay, what did Jesus tell John the Baptist when John the Baptist was in prison? John the Baptist sent a couple of his disciples over to Jesus and said, uh, probably in a moment of doubt or whatever, and I can imagine you're in prison. You know you're going to die. You know the death sentence, right. death penalty has been handed down to you. You're just waiting for the beheading to occur. Uh, listen, human nature, maybe a moment of despondency and, and doubt uh, came over John the Baptist. He sent word back to Jesus. Are, are, are you truly the one or are we to wait? For another. for another. And Jesus sent right. word back to John the Baptist. He said, well, you go back and tell John. Remind him of what he's seen. 
He's seen the, 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 the deaf hear, the blind see. He's seen miracles happen. But, but the last part of Jesus' statement was this. He said, you also remind him that the poor have had the gospel preached to them. The poor have had the gospel preached. Mm-hmm. So you can feed, house, clothe. You can have all kind of societal equity that you want. In the end, if you don't, if you do all that without preaching the gospel, mm-hmm. it's treadmill. It's treadmill ethics. Yeah, it gets you nowhere. Yeah, ultimately. So that, that that's the point I wanted to make. I was really burdened. This ep- I, I've been burdened this episode like I haven't been burdened before. I, I, I know normally, especially for our listeners who regularly listen to us, man, we mm-hmm. we, we 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 keep it pretty loose. We keep it pretty joking. Yeah. Yeah. We, we keep, yeah. but, but but I mean, when we have to flip that switch, this, this is just one of those times where I felt we had to flip that switch. I mean, that's that's all I'm saying. You know, the 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 roots of injustice go back to Genesis three, not to 1965. Mm, that's good. Genesis that's good. three. Genesis yeah. three. Genesis three is where the concepts of justice and injustice begin. They have nothing to do with slavery. It has nothing to do with colonialism. It has nothing to do with unfair housing laws. It has nothing to do with segregation. It has nothing to do with white oppression. It has nothing to do with uh uh, whiteness and 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 it has nothing to do with Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. It has everything to do with what happened in the garden in Genesis three, and mm. the disobedience of our first parents and the sin nature that we inherited from them. And unless that nature changes, mm-hmm. nothing in society is going to change. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just a very fundamentally biblical perspective, uh, because mm-hmm. the 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 discourse I'm hearing, and uh, I was just at a social justice uh, roundtable over the weekend at a local church here where mm-hmm. I live, and uh, you know I'm, I'm hearing everybody toss out these solutions, and nobody's dealing with the root problem. the The, the root problem, the root problem again. <laughs> is none of that stuff that we see people saying is the problem. It's none of that and, stuff. And, 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 and all and my, my guess is I wasn't there. My guess is all of the quote unquote solutions that are thrown out have all been attempted before been to one degree or another with, with, with still the same result. Yeah. They've all been tried. Now we, we may, we may be, uh, we may call them different things today. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but they've all they've all been tried. It's like Ecclesiastes says, there's nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. Nothing new. What we're what we're what we're calling the problem is the fruits of the problem. Mm-hmm. You see. Yeah. Yeah. So if I if I uh if I steal your car, the problem isn't that your car was stolen. The problem is that I stole your car. Mm-hmm. And that's going to sound redundant. Right. <laughs> but it's not. It's not. 
The problem mm. isn't that this, your car was stolen. The problem is that I stole your car. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, man. It, it really is a matter of, of, of an issue of, of, of one's heart. You know, it, it's, 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 that, that's really the, the, the biggest issue altogether. That's what we really need to come and, and, and eventually land on. Now, I'm so glad that you kind of rounded us out tonight uh, and really helped us to understand kind of in, in full measure and full flow um, what we need to look at from a biblical standpoint um, and, and, and really kind of lining out. In fact, I want to encourage the listener uh, to, to take a, an, another trip through um, this particular episode. Grab a pen, grab your Bible, uh, highlight some things, underline some things, and walk some things out. Because I think really what, we, what we've done here with this particular edition uh, is, is to really uh, pat, unpack for the listener the, the biblical arguments. In the past, we've kind of alluded to some things back and forth, but this time, for the first time, uh, we really walk through, kind of start to finish, uh, what, what our biblical response would be uh, to, the, to the issues of social justice, man. And so as we, as we wrap up tonight um, and, and really kind of let, let the folks know um, what, what's going on, I just want to, again, encourage folks to listen, want to thank folks for listening. I'm glad that you all are a part of this journey with me. Daryl, man, I'm excited to be a part of this uh, with you. Uh, definitely want to encourage you all to check this out, share this episode, tune in next time, uh, next Friday, as we upload uh, another edition of the Just Thinking Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to Just Thinking, a podcast brought to you by the Bar Podcast Network. You can find all of Just Thinking episodes at www.thebarpodcast.com. Tune in next week to another edition of Just Thinking. And remember, let's think.